Hello and welcome to the In All Seriosity podcast. I'm Patrick Fueling and with me is Matt Mizak, and we're part of the leadership team here at Grace Community Church. Our pod looks to explore various aspects of Christianity in sometimes fun and sometimes serious, but always meaningful ways that will hopefully make you think about these topics in a slightly different manner while strengthening your relationship with Jesus. Matt, welcome to episode one, The First Community. Sounds like a Star Wars trilogy, but we assure you it isn't. So in all seriosity, Matt, let's talk about the Trinity. Yeah. By the way, I've never seen Star Wars. Uh, I don't know if that's a problem at all. Any of them? And None of the six or nine or however many there are now. We uh, have a a new project for us. That's another another podcast, I guess. Uh, Yeah, so I was looking through uh, some old textbooks for Moody and getting ready for the episode. And I just came across all these like funny names that were the heresies of different Trinitarian heresies back in, you know, 380 and 480. And I figured we could do a little game show to put, put you to the test to see if you could name the heresy. So I'm always up for a good game. So basically I got six words here. Three of them are Trinitarian heresies. And then three of them are like these weird either diseases or like belief systems. So. I'm going to give you two, and you have to pick which is the Trinitarian heresy. Sound good? Sounds good. All right. First, we have Adamatism or Partialism. So I'm going to go with Adamatism as the heresy. Ooh. Oh, for one. So Adamatism is this weird belief of going naked for God in religious services. So I make an interesting service. Yeah, I don't think we want to start that here. Uh, But Partialism. Uh, taught that basically the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they were each one-third of a God, and together they made up one God. So uh, basically, you know, kind of like a, uh, what's the animal with like the horse's body, but the person's, or the horse's legs, but the person's body? Like the guy in the Old Spice commercial? Yeah, what's that called? Anyway, uh, kind of like that, but with God. So they each make up one God, uh, but they're one-third of God themselves, so... All right, 0 for 1. Uh, next one, we got trimethylurinaria or Arianism. I'm going to go with trimethylurinaria because it's a fun thing to say, even though I didn't say it properly. Yeah, I don't think I said it right either. Uh, no, 0 for 2. That is this like weird syndrome where you smell like a fish. Uh, and 100 people <laughs> in the world have been diagnosed with this. Uh, but... Um, no, Arianism is that Christ, the belief Arius taught that Christ was the first created being, um, that Jesus was not fully divine, but that, uh, he was the first creation of God. So it's basically, uh, denying the divinity of Jesus. Um, and actually this belief is actually pretty widely held, uh, today, even, uh, among like, uh, the... Uh, Church of the Mormon and the Latter Day Saints. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah. So, all right, last one. You got to get one right at least. Let's try it. So, I'm gonna go modalism or aquagenic uticaria. Ooh, I'm gonna go with aquagenic uticaria. The <laughs> no, multisyllabic word. No, you're zero for three. So that's, that's actually the allergy to water, which thirty people have been diagnosed with worldwide. Just uh, thirty. Yeah, only thirty. It's very rare. Uh, and modalism. Uh, is basically the belief that uh, the the persons of the Trinity are actually one 
uh, like there's one God and he can shape shift into the father or the son or the Holy Spirit. So he can take the form or the mode. That's why it's called modalism. He can take the mode of whatever person of the Trinity he wants to. So there's one God, but basically he shape shifts like a transformer into father, son, or Holy Spirit. Uh, And basically all three of those heresies were denied at different councils uh, in like 300 AD, 400 AD uh, as heresy. So, well, it's not off to a good start on my uh, on my uh, trivia, but uh, give me something to work on for next time. And by the way, I think that was called a centaur. That's what I was thinking. A centaur. That's right. Yes, a centaur. So uh, the Trinitarian heresies have been basically since Jesus walked the earth have been a thing. Um, but to give us a really brief definition of what a biblical understanding of the Trinity would be, what an orthodox understanding would be, is basically to affirm three things. Um, that there is one God and only one. That God uh, not only exists, but he exists in three distinct persons. Uh, And then third, that uh, these three persons are equally divine in both their essence and in their attributes. So that's a really brief definition of what a biblical definition of the Trinity would be. Now that we got into that, we're really going to talk a little bit about... um, more about how this kind of relates to how we think of the Trinity uh, as we go forward. And so, Pat, I wanted to ask you, when I say the word Trinity, uh, what would be some of the first things that come to your mind? Uh, Maybe feelings, thoughts, emotions, what comes to your mind when I say the word Trinity? When I hear the word Trinity, uh, when I think of God, I think of a father and a a loving father who has a relationship, and, and same with Jesus. Um, but when you think of the Trinity, it's almost like in some ways, and maybe this is part of growing up, it just feels like this more of a distant type um, concept because it's so hard to really explain. And, you know, people have used the analogies of, well, there's three forms of water, you know, but it's not really a true understanding of what it is. And, and the Trinity really is a mystery that, you know, um, is revealed by God, but it's hard for us with human minds to really grasp what that looks like or feels like. So when I take the three components individually, as God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that makes so much more sense to me. But trying to understand it as a whole entity, so to speak, or a whole unit, it's hard for me to put my arms around it. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that water thing, too, because first of all, if you're using an analogy to describe the Trinity, uh, just don't, uh, (laughs) because... Yeah, they're not going to be good. But actually, the water, the H2O H2O analogy, is the perfect definition or an example of what modalism actually was. Mm -hmm. So that water takes takes three different forms, but it's actually one same substance. And so that's a perfect definition of modalism. So don't use analogies to define the Trinity, friends. Make Um, sure I I noted that. I have a trivia question for you, Matt. Oh, yeah? Okay. So, Matt, who was the first person to apply the word Trinity to God? Oh, man. Uh, it's not in the Bible. It's not a biblical word that's used. So I would guess uh, I'll go uh, Augustine in 300s. Close. Kind of. It was Tertullian in 213. Tertullian? Tertullian, yes. My uh, Roman uh, guys, uh, my names from the Roman guys aren't uh, up to par yet. But uh, yeah, back in 213, and it was finally confirmed as church doctrine at uh, the Council of Nicaea in yeah. 325. Yeah. So, well, interesting. I didn't know that. A little tidbit of information there. Yeah, I knew the name, but uh, not that he described that. So, interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and so you talked about the Trinity being kind of a cold, uh, it's not a very warm uh, type of word. Whereas if you 
like you mentioned, if you think of God as Father, that can be a really warm and and, and kind thing, particularly for people who have not um, bad memories of their father. But uh, it can be this warm thing that makes us feel really kind of fuzzy inside. Mm-hmm. You know, God's our Father, we're His children. But the word Trinity doesn't really do that. Uh, and, you know, a lot of ways I think it's because we've reduced the Trinity to maybe a problem that needs to be solved. Uh, you know, there was this whole debate back in the 90s about the problem of the Trinity, and you saw all sorts of defenses uh, from theologians trying to defend the position of the Trinity, and it became this like mathematical equation to be solved rather than this truth uh, to be enjoyed. And mm. And so even when I think of the word Trinity, it's like this analytical word, this mm-hmm. cold analytical word that uh, you know, I would read in a textbook, but uh, it doesn't really uh, impact my day-to-day life. And so um, this is a pretty, actually, a common belief. Uh, Thomas Jefferson, uh, was he our third president? Hmm. You know, and I should know this because I used to quiz my kids on this all the time, and uh, they're probably going to laugh at me now that I don't know this. Part. I went to Moody, so I don't know history, but I think he was the third president. Uh, but he... Uh, on the concept of the Trinity, he wrote this. He thought that it was something basically that got in the way of his faith. And so let me read this quote to you. He says, When we shall have done away with the incomprehensible jargon of the Trinitarian arithmetic, that three are one and one is three, when we shall have knocked down the artificial scaffolding reared to mask from view the simple structure of Jesus, when, in short, we shall have unlearned everything which has been taught since his day, and get back to the pure and simple doctrines he inculcated, then, and only then, we shall be truly and worthily his disciples. And so for Thomas Jefferson, the Trinity was something, basically, that he wanted to get rid of in order to most closely follow Jesus. But really, if we look at the Bible, it's the exact opposite, that Mm -hmm. it's only when we embrace God as Trinity that we actually can follow Jesus more closely. Uh, and so I thought that was interesting. Um, it, it's yeah. interesting, Matt. You know, you talk about it as a problem or something to be solved, but it, it to me it's a kind of a it's an insight into a new way to look at community, which is what we're talking about today too, which we'll talk about a little bit later on. But um, you know, it, it's interesting how how we as humans in our sinful nature, you know, we want to just reinterpret what the Bible says or reinterpret what God wants for us and try to like put our own spin on these things yeah. and. And instead of it being something that gets in the way, as Thomas Jefferson said, it's something that, as you mentioned, it works together. And I'm, I'm really interested as we go further into this, just exploring more of that uh, communal aspect of it and how that yeah. really frames what we in the church today should be looking at when it comes to our own communities and our relationships we have. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, do you know what the Thomas Jefferson Bible is? Have you ever heard of that? I've heard of it, yeah. Basically, he cut out whatever portion of the Bible he didn't like. Uh, and so... There's, you know, they call it the Thomas Jefferson Bible. It's basically all the leftover portions. <laughs> uh, so don't be like Thomas Jefferson. Let's just embrace the whole Bible for what it is. Uh, and that could be a different podcast down the road for all the things that people yeah, seem to cut and paste. And it's almost like there's an a la carte theology today that people seem to have that goes back even to, uh, you know, the 1700s, 1800s. Oh, so, yeah, uh, for but that's, sure. that's for a different time. So yeah. we'll get back to uh, back with the Trinity here. Yeah. So, so, Matt, what was God doing before the creation of the world? Yeah, it's really good. How does that tie into the Trinity aspect itself? Well, I think it's really important. uh, And what I think, maybe how we answer this question, I think reveals how we think of the word Trinity just to begin with, or really the word God to begin with. Um, 
because, you know, in a lot of other religions or belief systems, you have kind of these um, creation narratives that come out of angry, powerful, power-hungry gods or goddesses. Uh, I think of just Greek mythology where uh, the gods created people just to be their slaves or to do all their dirty work for them. Uh, And even just some ancient uh, Babylonian narratives where uh, gods, the gods are creating people to do all the stuff they don't want to do, mm-hmm. uh, or it's just kind of this like power hungry. They want somebody to serve them type of thing. Uh, and really what the biblical narrative of creation is, is the exact opposite that it's not out of selfishness or power hungry nature or, uh, wanting a people to serve him, but rather Uh, In the creation of the world, uh, the proper way to understand that would be the love of God spilling over to another. And so uh, we see in John 17, John 17 is one of the coolest chapters in the Bible. Uh, It's Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane right before he's about to be crucified. Uh, And he's praying to the Father. And he says in John 17, verse 24, these very important words, when he says, You, Father, have loved me before the foundation of the world. Hmm. And so why do you think that might be important, Pat? Like, what comes to your mind uh, about the importance of that? Just the fact that you know, God has loved him and knows him, and there's a pre-existing relationship almost there. That, yeah. That you don't feel... Or you, some people think, well, there was God, and then there was Jesus, and then the Holy Spirit kind of tagged along afterwards. Yeah. But in reality, you go back to Genesis, all three are, are together as one. They're all present. The beginning, right. Yeah, they're all present. And so in John 17, what we see is that love comes before creation. And so there's this love that has always existed between the three persons of the Trinity, between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, and that was pre-existing creation. Uh, and we even see that, you know, like, like you said back in Genesis, uh, where uh, the Father is there, uh, the Spirit uh, of God is is hovering over the waters, the darkness of the waters. Mm-hmm. And then we read in John that uh, the Word of God is Jesus, the, the Word of God, the Lagos, is Jesus. And that's actually how the creation came into being, uh, is through the words of the Father, the the Word, Jesus. And so... All three are present, but really what, um, why this is so important is because there has always been at the center of the world, uh, not creation, not, uh, you know, uh, anything like that, any of the attributes of God that we might think of, except uh, the love and relationship between the three members of the Trinity. And so um, God has always been triune. The Father has always loved the Son. The Son has always loved the Father. The Spirit has always loved the Father and Son, and so on. Um, but really, uh, the Father uh, has always been a Father, and the Son has always been a Son, and the Spirit has always been uh, the Spirit. And and so creation wasn't some power-hungry kind of concept. It was really this extension of this relationship that has always been present to yet another person, us, uh, creation, the, the people of God. And so uh, in uh, Michael Reeves' book, which I'll talk about a little bit later, and Delighting in the Trinity, how he writes of this is uh, that the Father's love for the Son burst out in creation that it might be enjoyed by many. I just think that's a really great way yeah. to think about this. Yeah. It's a great word picture, too. I think it's somewhere in Psalm 23, I think, but where it talks about my cup runneth over, and just yeah. there's this feeling of, over just overwhelming uh, 
um, I don't know what the right word is, gratitude or just uh, fulfillment, you know, that there's just so much love that God wants to pour out on us. And the fact that it starts, you know, back with this, with the Trinity and the Trinitarian concept uh, is something that, yeah, I wonder that like, we don't, it, it doesn't seem like we teach a lot about that within our church, no. not just our church specifically, but, you know, the church here in the West or, you know, and it's interesting why we don't go into that more in detail. We talk about, obviously, a lot of God the Father. We talk about really what Jesus does for us yeah. in, in terms of, our, our, you know, saving us, but, uh, and how the Holy Spirit comes along and guides us and, and works you know, in us. But how those, how they all three relate, there's just doesn't seem like there's ever been a lot of teaching on that. And so I think it's, it's really a, a good topic to, you know, because it's a lot of, it's kind of like basic foundational theology in a lot of ways. Yeah. Oh, and, it is. It just takes us back to. It's, it's the most basic. Yeah. Uh, and it's the really the first picture that we get of who God is, is that he's triune, and that, that they the three members of the Trinity love each other perfectly. That's really the first picture that we get of who God is. Um, and, and really, it's if we think about it, it's what salvation is, is that we get brought into the life of the Trinity. Later, actually, in that prayer, I didn't even think about this, but later in that prayer, Jesus prays that we might be as united uh, to God as Jesus is, uh, mm-hmm. that we might be in, in that same relationship as strongly and, and as, as, as perfectly and as completely as uh, the other members of the Trinity. So really in salvation, we're brought into the inner life of mm-hmm. God. Uh, Daryl Johnson, he wrote a book uh, called Experiencing the Trinity. Uh, and both of those books that I just referenced, uh, Experiencing the Trinity by Daryl Johnson and Delighting in the Trinity by Michael Reeves, they're both like 100-page books, and they are incredible. And so you could read them in a week or two, depending on how fast you read, but they're really easy reads, 100 pages, uh, not like tiny, tiny font. And so... Um, Those are the best kind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you can feel really good because you can yeah, read like can a book in a week. Yeah, and We can put those in the show notes when we're done. Yeah, yeah, and we will. Uh, and so Daryl Johnson, uh, kind of talking about what it means to to live life in the Trinity, he wrote, he wrote these words. He says, at the center of the universe is a relationship. That is the most fundamental truth I know. It is out of that relationship that you and I were created and redeemed, and it is for that relationship that you and I were created and redeemed. Do you see how it's both of those things? It's, it's out of that that we were created yeah. and redeemed, but it's also for that purpose that we are created and redeemed and so it's interesting because a lot of times you know with this and other things we want to make it either or but this is a both end that that applies perfectly well really uh, and that goes for a lot of just biblical truth is usually the 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 things that are in the bible are bigger than the categories that we have in (laughs) our our mind and so we usually have to embrace two things that in our minds seem to contradict but uh, they really don't um and so daryl johnson goes on to talk about Um, kind of what we already talked about, but he says, you were brought into being by the Trinity to participate in the inner life of the Trinity. And so creation is the selfless act of God wanting to open the door, essentially, uh, into that that communion that the the Trinity has experienced and open the doors for for all of us to enter in through faith uh, in Jesus. And that's why... Uh, all those passages in the Bible talk about Jesus being our brother right. or the firstborn. That's why those are there. Um, we see uh, Romans eight twenty nine. It says that uh, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. 
And then Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11, uh, it says, um, For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source, and that is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. And so, you know, Jesus being our brother doesn't really make sense unless we think of ourselves being invited into the life of God, you know, the life of the Trinity, really. Um, and that's such a cool thing, Jesus being our brother. Right, right exactly. Um, all the blessings bestowed upon him are now ble- extended to us uh, through our relationship with him. And so, um, yeah, the Trinity is just so crucial to how we live our life. But, I mean, even just like, Pat, would it be, would you say that when you live your day-to-day life, that would be, that's something that like is on the back of your mind all the time? Because for me, it's not. The fact that Jesus is my, my, my brother. Concept. Yeah, or yeah. just the whole concept of the Trinity. I mean, it's not something I personally think about quite a bit. Yeah, I honestly, you know, until you just said that, I didn't really connect those dots. It's something that, and partly because I probably have more of an analytical or logical brain about that, where I, I compartmentalize these different things. And so maybe I'm, you know, thinking about God as a father or thinking about or thanking Jesus for what he's done for me yeah. uh, or asking the, you know, the spirit to provide me wisdom with something throughout the day. But yeah, it's funny. I don't ever correlate those as, as, as a Trinitarian concept though. Yeah. Yeah. Even in, um, uh, baptism, uh, what we see is that we've been commanded by Jesus to baptize people into the name of the Trinity. Not just to be baptized into something, but to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I think we kind of think that that's like a cliche phrase, maybe just because we say it when we baptize somebody. Um, But really, that's what Jesus is saying is exactly this, that we are being, um, that when you go under the water, you're, you're being died and crucified with Christ. And when you're being raised up, you're being raised into the life of the Trinity, uh, just the same way that he, when he was resurrected, he returned to be with the Father. It's this really vivid picture in the Bible that that we are brought into the life of the Trinity, whatever that means, because I don't really know what that means all the <laughs> right. time. Uh, but it's such a vivid picture, and we kind of forget it a lot. Well, Matt, that brings part one of our episode to an end. Next time, we're going to dive into how we can try to replicate that relationship to the Trinity in our current day communities. Thank you for joining us on this episode of In All Seriosity. As we discussed earlier, please submit your questions and comments at our website, which is www.gotgrace.info. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it and be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please take a moment to rate and review. For more information about Grace Community Church, please check us out at our website, which again is www.gotgrace.info. Thanks again for listening. Until next time.